Hey there, it is another episode of Pod Sothoth, a Lovecraft book club, starring me, your host, Todd Beardsley. But today I have a very special guest. It is my attorney and wife, Claire Reynolds. Hi, Claire. I'm not a special guest. You're very I'm, you're special every time. Well, I know I'm special, but I'm not <laughs> a guest. <laughs> I do think you should have more guests than me. Uh, and that we know people I don't know. Do You're it. a fan favorite. I'm not of our three fans. Yes. yes. <laughs> hey, I we Who have are got, amazing. I love all three of you. Yes. Well, we did get some tweets. We got some mail, but that's at the very end of the episode. Okay. We're not going to talk about that now. Today, right now, this moment, we're going to talk about Dagon, which was published in 1917. 1919. <laughs> it was written probably in 1917, uh, but it was published in. Maybe it was. Nope. 1919. You're right. I was guessing. Uh, It was was published in The Vagrant. Guessing in approximation to the Great War. (laughs) Beginning of, but he probably wrote it at the beginning. Yes. So the narrator, who is an unnamed narrator, which is. Shocking turn of events. (laughs) Lovecraft's custom. Uh, The the scene opens. Carl. I like to think that they're all Carl. Uh, Carl, well, that's kind of a Hun Hunnish name. I don't, I don't think you'd be a Carl. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Let's get to that. <laughs> let's get to that. So uh, he is an American, presumably, uh, in the Pacific. Uh, it is during the Great War, and he, he says something about how it is like before the Germans got real lame and bad. Before they sunk to their later degradation. Oh, I see nothing. I was not here. I did not even get up this morning. So he was captured by the Germans uh, during the Great War. and But his captors are so liberal... <laughs> That he was able to escape with provisions and a boat and everything. He was like... It was not just provisions. It was five days... Wait, no, no. Five days of one with water and provisions for a good length of time. Like, yeah. 30 days? Did you think... Did Why just you? That was my question, first of all. Yeah. You were just like... He's in it for himself. Presumably, you were like, do-do-do, packing a, a bag full of shit, and, yeah. you know? And you're just like, oh, well, here's the boat. Like, no bother to... See if you can take anyone with you? None. None at all. <laughs> well, then you got what was coming to you. We're going to die. It's every man for himself. Help me, Leela. <laughs> he, uh, he escapes his captors. Uh, he's on a life raft at sea for several days. It's a boat. It's a lifeboat. Life, lifeboat. It's, yeah, correct. It's not like a lost, my, <laughs> I need my boy. Style. <laughs> my boy. My son. Where's my boy? They took my son. Style raft. It is a proper boat. Uh, he is at sea and he goes to sleep. He has a lot of w- crazy dreams. He wakes up. He is aground. What? But it's not really ground. <laughs> you might be wondering how I got here. <laughs> That's kind of how it is. Um, it's very wet and muddy and gross, and it smells bad. It smells like rotten fish. And uh, he's he's by the boat, but he figures, oh, it'll be it'll be okay. Like in a couple days. And when I first read it, I was like, oh, come on, you're telling me how many days? Three days? Mm-hmm. He sat there, but then I thought. Uh, maybe I would too. I, I don't know. You have your days. boat. You have your provisions. <laughs> you have your food to and your last water. you for a good number of days, is what or however many days he said. Like, do I want to walk? Away? 
I don't know. That's a long time to sit there with nothing happening, though. Yeah. Can, and there's walk. no birds is the other thing, right? Yeah. That He's like, F this. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to walk towards this this hill that I can see. And, and he calls it a, a hummock, which is, you know, a hill. And it's nighttime. And he's like, oh, man, I should have been walking at night this whole time because <laughs> it's way easier. I mean, kind of duh. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> he, he finds this hill. He goes up there and he thought, man, I thought it was bad before. But nope, I'm on top of this hill and everything is way worse. Yeah. I mean... In my head, I was imagining it, I guess, looking like the moon, which he kind of mm-hmm. describes it as that. I mean, which he yeah. would not know what technically what it looks like to be on the moon. But he sees, so he's on this thing, and and then he sees the monolith. The monolith. Well, no, 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 no. Let's back up. Oh, okay. Let's back up because right. that was interesting to me. The idea that he sees a big cap. It's like a cavern or not a cavern, a a canyon kind of a thing ahead of him, right? Mm-hmm. So describe the geography to me. Let's go walk through it. There's a, <laughs> there's a canyon and then a river and then the monolith. And then there's a hill, right? And then the, the canyon monolith. drops before the hill and then the monolith. I the thought monolith there was like sculpture. water leaping up to the, lapping up to the monolith. That's when he, so he climbs down, okay. right, into this valley that he didn't know, even know it was there because okay. he couldn't see it. And so he gets to the valley and then he can see the monolith like on the hill beyond. Okay. Right. And it's, and it's huge. Okay. Why is it awful? Like, it sounds like it would be... Like, I'm imagining the Grand Canyon. <laughs> right. So it must not be like it was all just it, gray. When I read this, I think of it as... And he says something, too, where it's like, oh, even the sky was black. Like, it was reflecting oh, the... That's the right. So, like, okay. it's a very, like, basalt kind of colored, okay. dark gray, blackish, you know, mud, dirt okay. kind of thing. So, like... Yeah, very otherworldly, and and I it didn't even I didn't even put it together that it's like oh yeah this looks like the moon, yeah. And- Which some people like he's obviously a pessimist mm-hmm. because some people would be like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. This is amazing, and we are the Moonanites, <laughs> and our culture has advanced beyond all that you can possibly comprehend with one hundred percent of your brain. You know, it would still be terrifying, but it could be amazing. But he definitely reads dread into everything. So when the moon rises up enough that he can actually like see the thing, then he sees the monolith and he compares it. And this is the part that I really zeroed in on. He he talks about it. It's all bas reliefs and it's grotesque. It's carved with like all of these creepy figures, fishmen and whatever. Um, and, he, and he compares it to Doré. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Who's yeah. Doré? Yeah, I saw it and I was like, I gotta look that up. And then I forgot to look it up. So Doré was a 19th century uh, French artist. He did all kinds of stuff. Um, but the thing I think Lovecraft is thinking of is Doré's uh, sculpting work. He made this uh, sculpture for the Chicago ex- Exhibition. Dure did in uh, you know late nineteenth century, and it's called uh, the Poème de la Vigne. It's a vase, basically. Gustave, Gustave Dure, and he made this giant vase. This vase is enormous. Okay, this is what I think Lovecraft is talking about when he's comparing the monolith that he sees on the Isle Isle of Dagon uh, to this vase. And there'll be links in the show notes. But I'm going to show it to you, Claire, for the first time. Tell me what you see. <laughs> now, this thing is eleven feet tall. Yeah, that's <laughs> and and it's this Dionysian right now. That's obviously not in Chicago right now. It's in San Francisco. It's okay. at the San Francisco Legion of Honor. 
Oh, okay. And it's out. It's displayed outside, and from afar, when you see it, the little one, it's it it is kind of disturbing, right? Like it's this vase. Yeah, it's a bunch of people, but it's a bunch of on the side of it and trying to climb up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's a bunch of really naked people. Uh, doing bacchanalian things. Not sexy things. No, does it look sexy? I don't think so. It looks like they're not happy. They don't seem to be particularly happy. Um, They seem kind of... Oh, except there's the one guy on the top who's like, I'm number one. Yes, so um, (laughs) it's it's a whole bunch of folks and there's like satyrs on there and and cupids and all this like very Greek, right? So it's an array of bas-reliefs of subjects would have excited the envy of a doré. And so that's what I think he's talking about. I think he's talking about that particular sculpture. When was Uh, it made? So it was made in, uh, I want to say like 1847 or something. All right, so timeline. Would it have been... Somewhere where it would have been have known. It? Yeah, I'm trying to like challenge your hypothesis here. Like that's the one thing that like pops up. So like Duray also did like a bunch of word carvings and and that, but like it's it's this this massive sc- bronze sculpture is is the thing that like when I found that I'm like oh well this is it this is definitely the thing and 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 it feels to me like when you see a page it's it's a shame that this is an audio medium so I urge you to look it up there's a link in the show notes but just look up um DeRay the, the vintage vase in English um cherubs cavort with spiders and moths in illicit configurations yeah there's like a bunch of bugs on it and stuff it's super creepy and like it just like looks kind of weird from afar and then when you get up close like you see all this you know all the it's it's actually revelry so it's like that's really interesting to me right so that's great and the thing ended up in san francisco um which is interesting because this is where the character ends up in the end. So like I feel like there's a San Francisco tie in to to all of this. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of most of his stuff seems to be East Coast. It's New England, it's Florida, it's the Dreamland, East Coast. whatever. This story is related to and connected with Call of Cthulhu, um, which also has a San Francisco element to it there's also some new orleans and call cthulhu so there's there's a lot more like seafaring stuff like west coast and gulf and everything um Duray is the one that like i really latched onto and i spent mm-hmm. like an hour going to yeah no that's like yeah. his work and then i found this right he has a line in there about grotesque beyond the imagination of a poe or a bulwer and i'm yes. like we all know poe who's this other guy who's bulwer well <laughs> I'll tell you. Did you look it up? No. no. I was like, Todd will look that up. I don't need to. <laughs> exactly. So Bulwer is almost certainly referencing Edward Bulwer uh, Lighton from 18, 1870s. Um, so similar to Doré. Uh, same same period. And he's probably referencing uh, Vril, The Power of the Coming Race, which is a story by, by Bulwer. And it really took off. Um, it was also just called The Coming Race uh, initially. It is a story about a race of energy beings uh, that people the hollow earth. If this sounds familiar, don't worry. Yes, it's Nazi <laughs> shit. <laughs> so um, When you said The Coming Race, I thought maybe he meant like an actual race, a foot race. <laughs> but <maybe>. coming? <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. It was. Gonna I mean, be I've been in coming soon. races before. Yeah. Oh boy! It was- <laughs> 
No, it was a, a thing that's going to be happening soon. Yeah. Maybe no. it's not Nazis, no. but it's It's definitely Nazis. 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 I hate these guys. Coming Race was a major inspiration of Nazi occultism. Uh, it gets the Vril. Vril itself was like real tropey, like in the nineteen, like late nineteenth century, where it was like it's a cure to what ails you, kind of thing. In the story, Vril is is this fluid that's produced by <laughs> this angelic hollow earth race that like uh-huh. cures everything <laughs> and gives you psychic powers and also uh-huh. makes you like a better being and person. So yeah, if you thought we were going to get away from any of the racism in Lovecraft, of course. Now it's just this one guy. Was not a Nazi. Like he was not a Nazi. There are no No. Nazis in eighteen seventy. No, but it is. People took his. Yeah. Is this like a? Is there a direct lineage? Oh, definitely. Oh. So the this is in Bulwer's like occultist phase, basically, and there are people who believe that like, oh no, yeah, it's fiction. But not really. It's not really fiction. It's like actually true. And there's actually a hollow earth and there's these angelic energy beings. And two things came out of that. One, the whole Nazi hollow earth thing. And two, H.G. Wells. Like H.G. Wells is is influenced by Bulwer. And which is crazy that I've never heard of this guy before, right? Like you'd think with all of this and being the person that I am and I like Lovecraft and I like, right. you know, old sci-fi, like well, there's it so never many came other up. Nazi things going on. I mean, <laughs> right. It's all know. just drowned out in all the current Nazism. I, and you know, I really feel like the, uh, the hard right in America really should embrace this hollow earth thing oh, again. Like that would be really helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> that cause then we could just yeah. point at that. <laughs> yeah. Ad break. As I told my children the other day, mm-hmm. If you find yourself on the opposite side of the Nazis, you're in a good spot. You're probably in a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a shame the Nazis ruined the whole Hollow Earth thing, but. There's a lot of things they ruined, they and ruined. that was the least of the problems. <laughs> I guess I guess so. I guess so. He could also be referring to the grotesque imagery of Bulwer when he wrote England and the English. Because it's all about being English. <laughs> I was reminded of this tweet I saw in 2021. This is how hard this tweet has stuck with me. And I'm going to have a link to it in the show notes. It's only 2022 right now. I let's, know, but it was January of 2021 was this tweet. Okay. And it just kept getting retweeted. Like right? If a tweet lasts more than a day, then... I'm going to read yeah. it to you verbatim. Okay. And, it's, and it's by Bang Bang Ducks on Twitter. All right. And he wrote... H.P. Lovecraft was like, ooh, I'm so scared of a mysterious vile island that rises out of the sea, is inhabited by fish-like, pallid-fleshed pseudo-humans, follows a strange and horrible religion, and has an incomprehensible, inhuman tongue. But I love England. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, yes. (laughs) This tweet, I think of this tweet probably once a week. That's good. That's funny. So anyway, in the story, so he's there, he sees the stuff. He's like, Oh my gosh, look at all this. And he's like kind of interested too. There's a note about like, you know, I had like the scientists appreciation of this thing of, of like this archeological yeah. find. Um, yeah. It's like the ancestor of the Piltdown man. Piltdown <laughs> man. Right. And so that was my third that. thing. When did they figure out Piltdown man was a, was a scam and uh, so exactly so piltdown man when lovecraft is writing and publishing this 1970 to 1919 um 
as an amateur scientist, right? Like Lovecraft, we know about, we talked about that in From Beyond, in the From Beyond episode. Go listen to that one. Um, Lovecraft did read scientific magazines, maybe not so much journals, but like he was, he probably would have heard of Piltdown Man, probably would have taken it at face value like many people did, right? Who would, I mean, <laughs> we didn't know back then. So Piltdown Man was it, it is it is basically the scientific hoax that I remember hearing about like in high school like we learned it as a subject of like this is where science goes wrong when you like actually go out of your way to forge things Piltdown Man was not so it was a a sample of a skull that was found by these English archaeologists um, one in particular whose name I forget and I don't care because he's a big scammer douchebag <laughs> scammy mcscammerson scammy scam scams a lot because <laughs> he's english uh he's not Irish. <laughs> scam likely uh, yeah <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> shout out to dungeons and daddies dungeons and daddies best dungeons and dragons <laughs> podcast in the world so piltdown man was it is it was a forgery and it was composed of a human like top part skull like most of the sitlum when you think of a skull like a halloween skull like it's human skull it had an orangutan jaw and then chimpanzee teeth in the jaw so that should be pretty much the giveaway that it was not just like oops i accidentally mixed up my bones that's right um it was definitely put together in an effort to deceive why? Like, I don't, I should read more about it because I'm sure there's a very interesting story there. There are books and books about Piltdown Man and like why it happened. And, and, and nobody knows who like actually put it together. Really? One of the suspects, Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. Damn. Okay. Um, that was the only name I saw. I, was I like, have oh, heard him? that connection, but I, yeah. I'm going to have to read more. When Lovecraft mentions Piltdown Man, it's a throwaway reference to like nod to science people who know about it. Right. Definitely did not know. How long did it take? Uh, 1955. Oh, or something. Okay. Okay. It was a ba- there was a Time magazine. Okay. They okay. did the work. They did a bunch of like um, spectroscopy on it. They found a bunch of they found evidence of acid to like. Okay. To age all of the bones to make them all look kind of the same. Okay, so it uh, that's interesting. It took decades. It took decades. Now there was like suspicion in like if you were in science, like you were in the Royal Academy, you're like mm, I don't know about this one. Right. This is but, a little bit too. This is <laughs> yeah. not a missing link. Like you don't just have. And that's the thing. It a was a jaw yeah. that does not evolve, no. where the rest of something else. Yeah. And okay. it was like, look, it fits perfect. Well, it fits perfect because. That's Chunks your fir- of it was shaved your first off. <laughs> nothing ever fits perfect. Yeah, uh, and then like the fossilized chimp teeth were like kind of a giveaway, like yeah. that were set into the jaw. Um, Why would they do that? That's so interesting. So it was like the motives are unclear. The person who did it is I mean, unclear. People do weird shit all the time. Probably just for no- probably for notoriety. Um, of whom though theory I have and it's this is becoming the, a Piltdown Man podcast it is a Piltdown Man <laughs> podcast at the time uh, a human evolution was kind of a touchy subject you'll have to recall that the Scopes trial is only five years off 
right, from this moment. So Scopes Child, 1925. The only thing I was going to say was that what's terrifying to me is that the Scopes Trial could happen today. Exactly. So this is a good time uh, to uh, remember that at one point in America, theocratic thinking was definitely a thing. Um and, uh, uh, we, at and one point? In the 20s, Claire. Yeah. <laughs> the 20s, oh, I'm sorry. 20s? Which 20s? <laughs> yes, both. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so, like, it was controversial. And so, like, that's maybe their heart was in the right place. It was, like, a political move to say, like, no, 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 look, I have proof of the missing link. So now shut the fuck up about it. Like, <laughs> let's actually pursue this. Thinking that, like, in the future, you know, this – this sham is not going to last, but it buys you some room, right? To like actually prove it. Okay. I'm going to do a little scam science now to make way for the real science. Scam for the good. Right. Because like, what's my alternative? Theocracy. <laughs> anyway, there's a mention. We of- ended up with a theocracy anyway. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Piltdown man. <laughs> Sorry, Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> you failed. <laughs> So anyway, the Piltdown Man mentioned was like, whoa, hang on. And it, it, right next to Neanderthal, because Neanderthal was also fairly new. And I will pronounce it Neanderthal, Neanderthal. until the day I die, because I don't pronounce it Pelly. I pronounce it Paris, because I'm a goddamn American. <laughs> that was pretty hot. Say it again. <laughs> what, Pelly? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, you kind of sounded like a, a Disney character uh-huh, there. Yes. Soup du jour, hot or d'oeuvre, why we only live to serve. Yeah, so anyway, uh, at the end, so he sees that. Oh, he incidentally sees a monster uh, come oh, out of the ocean. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like enormous, by the way. Like there's a depiction of the monster that he sees killing a whale, and the whale's only like a little bit bigger than him. So he's definitely Godzilla sized. Yeah. Um, he sees the monster. Uh, he passes out. He wakes up. He's in San Francisco. No, no, no. no. Let's go back. Okay. To he's like I. Essentially, what happens is he sees this monster. Mm-hmm. It All runs right. up and like gives this monolith a hug. And he does like a dance. He, he bows so, to it. Yes, he gives a, I like, and then he's so horrified. Like of all the things that have happened, that is the least horrifying. That's the most interesting thing. Of like, <laughs> I would at least be hiding behind a rock. I mean, like, what is this? It's not a octopus with legs. <laughs> it's not an octopus okay. with legs. It's not like a SpongeBob. Character. Well, that's less scary. Than <laughs> <laughs> he kind of. Elides is that the word? I haven't used that yeah. in a way. Elides over this monster, which I in my head I thought it was a giant octopus, but in okay. now in rev- no, now it's like, oh, it was one of the giant humanoids. Was it, whatever it was, it had a scaly arm mm-hmm. and it came up and, and, and hugged, gave, the and hugged the monolith. <laughs> like to me, that's like, oh <laughs> I would not immediately find that threatening. I he threw its arms around it, right? He does. He That's throws a his scaly arm around the the the, the monolithic. Structure. It's either a hug or it's if it's one arm, then it's a it's a bro thing. Then it's a bro. Yeah, I love this guy. About which? Okay, so hang on. Uh, vast po- uh, polyphemus. I cannot say that damn word. Polyphemus. 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 You did it. That's the one-eyed son of. Poseidon or something? Yeah, right? he's a Maybe. he's a bad guy in um, the Odyssey. Which of course he's a bad yeah. guy because he's got one eye. Because he's got the, just mean, the one eye. Yeah. 
Um, which, by the way, is another seafaring yeah. tale. So I like that part yeah, too. History is written by um, the winners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Justice for Polyphemus. Yes, yes. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> so vast, Polyphemus like, and loathsome, it darted like a stupendous monster of nightmares to the monolith, about which it flung its gigantic scaly arms while it bowed its hideous head and gave vent to certain measured sounds. I know. He was like, I love you. I love oh my this God, guy. You're the best. <laughs> yeah, he was. It does not sound threatening to me, but I'm not Lovecraft. I went mad then. And so he doesn't really, he goes back to his boat. He was singing when he went and laughing when he couldn't sing anymore. What was he singing? uh, I'm, I'm here with my dad and we never met. And he wants me to sing him a song. (laughs) Mm, He mentions Phantasm, which as I was reading that, I was like, I would like to go watch Phantasm Phantasm tonight. Yeah, maybe it was a phantasm, and that is, yeah, phantasm is, I would say, top uh, top 10 Lovecraftian movies ever made, right? And it's not a Lovecraft story. I had never, I mean, I remember in high school, a bunch of the, you know, cool guys by that, because I went to a high school full of, like, 200 people, uh-huh. the guys talking about the movie Phantasm. And I was like, what are, okay, what is this? It must be some devil thing or something. Then I saw Phantasm once I met Todd Beardsley. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is a super dumb, but also super amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so then maybe that's like, oh, I got to watch Phantasm. Hey man, it had like five sequels. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we were talking about the original one with like, if I could just have a, I mean, we should just have a phantasm podcast, like as a bonus episode, we should have a schedule that is consistent enough that we can have bonus episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, we're <laughs> just, going to review the pod, the, the phantasm movies. If you haven't seen phantasm, dear listener, if you're, if you were born after, I don't know, 2000, you probably have never even heard of Phantasm. Uh, go watch it. It is the most Lovecraftian thing I mean, ever. it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. It might be a dream. Yeah, so he might have dreamed the whole thing, uh, but he wakes up in San Francisco in a hospital, and again, it's 1919. Hospitals are kind of, you know, abattoirs, basically. <laughs> it's like not a great place to be. People sawing things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he gets hooked on morphine because it's the only thing that dulls the pain. And but every time there's a gibbous moon, like he freaks what does that out. Mean? All right, so the waxing gibbous moon is the period. I don't know why I had to look this up. I knew this, but I just froze <laughs> when asked. It is that period between full and half. That's it. It's three quarters. Okay, but it's not actually three quarters. It's like that whole period. So right, there, there's like. Four or five days. As it's happening. Yes. So that is waxing gibbous. So it is not a full moon, which is the traditional, you know, spooky time. Right. It's not the new moon, which is another traditional spooky time. Mm-hmm. It is the waxing gibbous, not the waning gibbous. <laughs> waxing like, means he, it gets yeah. bigger. He was like, yeah. I have to find a time that is not already claimed by spooky stories. 
by werewolves and yeah. ghosts and stuff. This is this is for this the is my time. This is for the deep ones. <laughs> the waxing the, gibbets. Yes. Uh, and then he um, throws himself out a window, and that's it. He dies. How high up was he? I don't know. High enough. I look. I guess. So I didn't get that he threw himself out the window. I the end is near. I yeah. hear a noise at the door as of some immense slippery body lumbering against it. It shall not find me. God, that hand. The window. Oh, he's saying the window, the window. The window. Like that's my okay. I thought it, I don't know. I thought it was just like the window. <laughs> the window. Wait, you're just naming things in the room? I don't know. Yeah, that hand. It's like good night moon. Basically. <laughs> good night window. Good night hand. Good night, monster. Good night socks. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I'm sorry for those of you who like that story. It's so dumb. I hate it. <laughs> that'll, that'll be another bonus episode. Uh-huh. Good night, moon. Oh my god! Yeah, we well, should. T- yeah, for sure. Good night, waxing gibbous moon. <laughs> Good night, nobody. <laughs> That's creepy as shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, it's some demon that lives there. Mm-hmm. Mr. Nobody. That's right. Good night. So that's it. That's the whole story. That's good. I like that one. So this is, people will point to this as like, oh, this is the first story in the Cthulhu mythos where it's. It was the first one published as he was an adult. That's what I read. Oh, yeah. I guess it would be. Yeah. what I liked very much. It's a little bit coming of age. You could certainly interpret it that way. I'm sure that's not how we meant it. No one thinks. Sure. When you are at that age, you're not thinking, oh, I'm coming of age. I'm I'm doing it. (laughs) But I can see that. But yeah, this is this is this like I'm scared of the sea (laughs) kind of period that essentially he rewrites this story in the form of Call of Cthulhu. Um, He he takes uh, in call Cthulhu and shadow over Innsmouth, right? Shadow over Innsmouth has the, the fish monster men. Um, and call Cthulhu has the, un, the, the unspeakable Island that rises from the Pacific. So like both those components get reused later. Um, but this was a, as I think everyone now, well, maybe not everyone, but, a lot of people who pay attention to Lovecraft will tell you it's like there was no cinematic universe. Like he did not give two wits about having like a continuity of story with the exception of Randolph Carter and the dreamlands, which we'll do a dreamlands episode, I think pretty soon. Cause it's been a while since we've been to the dreamlands, but, um, but yeah, like if you, if you want to read this as, as like part of this trilogy, right. Of, uh, Dagon shadow over Innsmouth, call of Cthulhu, go right ahead but they're so the, actually three different stories. and i'm still ta- i'm sorry you can yeah. cut this all up but uh, this is actually interesting to me mm-hmm. um so he this was based kind of based on a dream he had correct was it like a rec- like did he have a recurring dream about this or was it just one dream he had that then kind of informed all of these later stories or I don't know. Um, I think it was a particularly like disturbing dream, which tells me, which speak tells me that it's like if he's effectively an adult, especially in 1919 and being, you know, 19 or 18 or 20 or whatever he is, um, 
you know, that it's probably recurring. I mean, people don't have like one scary dream and then write it down. Right. Like unless you're Mm -hmm. Tennyson, I guess. Oh no, I have, we talked about the other day. I like, I have one particular scary dream that has evolved over the years. Yeah. But it's like, it happens over and over and over again. And then you eventually like write it down or use it as a character not move to Iowa. (laughs) I know. (laughs) He got well because he got hooked on morphine. He was in San Francisco. No, you're not going to get there. No, you're not getting out of town. No. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you're going to be on morphine in 1919, like San Francisco is probably the best place to be. Yeah, you're not going to go to Des Moines. (laughs) 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 And uh, I don't think we have really anything else to talk about with this story, but I have have a lot of editing on this one. I I do. I will have a lot of editing. We are out of practice. We've had like one calamity and tragedy after the other, and it's very boring and we won't go into it, but hopefully we'll get boring. I mean, it's not boring for us, but it's definitely boring for you. Um, Hopefully we'll hit a better schedule like we had (laughs) during COVID. If only COVID would come back. I'm wishing on my monkey's paw as hard as I can. Oh, no. <laughs> that I'll have Please enough time. Please do not wish on that, that Scopes monkey paws trial. <laughs> yes. yes, the Scopes monkey's paw trial. Uh, that'd be a good mashup. Um, we, we have gotten, since we came back, um, we have gotten a couple tweets, DMs, a couple of emails. Um, most of it is like, Hey, glad you're back and hooray, you're back. And I'm very, thank you so much. That actually means a lot to me. Um, I had one tweet that we failed to cover last time we talked. What? I know. And, uh, it is Jack from England. What? I know wrote in after we bagged on England so hard in this episode and he says that he got into, he just got into Lovecraft during COVID and he specifically wanted to share um, how he got involved with Lovecraft. And he likes our episodes. He I likes our shows and all that stuff because he's like, this is all new to him, right? Uh, and I'm, I'm going to quote here from his, from his DM. Uh, My gateway into Lovecraft was actually a really fun BBC radio series where some fictional true crime-ish podcasters explore mysteries that turn out to be cosmic nightmares. Not sure if you'd know it or if it's your thing, but be interested to see your take on it as someone steeped in the more traditional tellings of the story. And so the podcast... I will uh, absolutely listen to this now. So I looked it up. I've never heard of it before. Um, And so it's called The Lovecraft Investigations. It's from BBC Radio 4. It's on Spotify and probably other places. Um, But that's the link he gave me was a Spotify link. Jack. And we'll look look into it. I know it sounds like we'll look into this is la la la, but no, Jack, I'm doing this. Yeah. This is the next thing I'm actually going to listen to. Well, that's great. I love, it. Yeah. I love crime. I love spookiness. I, I love England. Every time I walk in on Claire in a not. room where I was not in, it is a true crime podcast. I, will. <laughs> I love England so much. I will not do my awful English. Thank accent. you. It is very bad. So is mine, but <laughs> governor is in there. Yeah. <laughs> pip, pip and the cheerio and all that. So thank you so much, Jack, uh, for writing in and hey, hey, Sean Patrick, we haven't forgotten about you. Oh, he, he gave us a heads up. Um, after Is he our, gone? No, 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 no. He out? No, he's not out. He, he's like, hey, 
cool your back. Like, and that was it. Like, it was okay. like very short. So, um, but yeah, okay, Sean Patrick. Okay, so we've got Jack and Sean Patrick. And your mom. And my mom, obviously. And, and my, my mom pal. And my dad. My pal Eric at work. Okay. Yeah. So that's five, right? Jack, there. Sean Patrick, <laughs> Beth, Tom, Eric. We love you. Thank you. Yes, we do. We really do. Man, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> and so that's it. That's the episode. Uh, this is the fade out music is happening now. Uh, as Oh, I can actually do it in line. Here, hang on. All right. We can, we can fade out here. Thank you, Claire, for talking about Lovecraft with me. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Don't know if it's next week, next month, but next time. In the fullness of the cosmic history of things. This is all basically instantaneous. So it happened yesterday. Yep. <laughs>